0: the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Kami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on the She's Invincible Podcast. And today in the studio, we have the amazing Reverend Ronnie Roll. She is an ordained interfaith minister, mediator. She is certified in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a mom to two grown sons and two fur children who will never grow up. Reverend Ronnie is quick to say that she's all about love from birth to transformation, helping people celebrate it, rejuvenate it, and renew it. Reverend Ronnie's latest venture is to bring love into the workplace through diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives with her newly formed company called Spirit at Work. Welcome, Reverend Ronnie. It's such a joy to have you here with us today on the She's Invincible podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here too. Oh my gosh. So, so many fun things to talk about today. So, let's do this. How about we tell our listeners, Who is Reverend Ronnie Roll? How did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible?
1: Well, I have one of those really clear delineating marks (laughs) in that I had a life before 1999, and now I have one after. And before 1999, I was a sales trainer, a motivational speaker, a published author, and also a strategic business consultant. And then one day in 1999, as I was getting dressed to give a presentation, I got struck by lightning inside my house. And I survived that. But one of the things that happened is that I started to have a series of dreams after that. And in those dreams, my life was laid out for me. And I was told that I was going to be making a lot of very big changes And that I, in fact, was going to get ordained, which I was like, say what? Me? (laughs) Do you have the right person? (laughs) I'm a single mom. I'm a sales trainer. Uh, I don't go to church on a regular basis. Did you mean that bold for somebody else? (laughs) And so I really didn't want to pay attention to what I was seeing in those dreams. And I kind of tried to push them to the side. And then I had some friends come up to me. And they said, you know, I've been having these dreams about you lately. And in these dreams, you get ordained. And I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of weird, but okay, I can, I can deal with that. And they go, no, no, no. What's really kind of interesting is that when I come to tell you that you've been struck by lightning and you're getting ordained, you already know this. And I kind of took that, that the divine was trying to get to me. And because I wouldn't believe my own visions that I was receiving, he was going to find somebody else out there to tell me that I might believe. (laughs) And so for me, I started following that path. And that path meant I was going to have to go back to school as a single mom. And just about that time, my older son says to me, you know what, mom, you've always been telling us that education is the most important thing in our lives, but you know what? You never finished yours. And so there I was getting that other piece again, reminding me from an outward state to listen to the inward. And so I did, I went back to school and finished my undergrad degree. And then in my vision, I had been told that I was going to go to Hanlon law school. And that I was going to be getting certified in conflict resolution studies and I'm like okay this doesn't fit with anything but okay um, and again following the visions I was to start seminary in the fall of that year well the certification program for conflict resolution was a two-year program how is that going to happen there's no way I could complete a two-year program in three months So I'm looking at their website, and I'm trying to close it down, realizing this just isn't going to happen. It won't close down. Okay, so I get the feeling that maybe I'm supposed to pick up the phone and call. It's between semesters. No one's going to answer the phone, right? I pick up the phone. I call. I don't get a student. I don't get another teacher walking through the dean of the school answers the phone. And she says, well, it's a good thing you called today because today is the last day to register for the summer semester. Okay, so yeah, this is all divine guidance, right? So I get talking with her and she asks me what my score is on an LSAT. And I explain to her I haven't taken one yet and she starts to laugh how do you think you're going to get into law school if you haven't taken an LSAT? And so 10 minutes later, I've explained to her, I have to do this, I have to graduate by fall, and she has waived the LSAT, she has admitted me into law school without seeing my transcripts yet, and accelerated the program, so I will in fact complete it in three months. And I did. That's crazy. (laughs) And (laughs) you did. That is so crazy. And then, of course, I'm not really spiritual at this point in my life. So I'm being told in these visions, I'm getting ordained. But it's like, ordained as what? I have no clue. What faith? I don't know. I didn't really feel like I fit in with the faith that I'd been given as a child. So where do I go? Well... The divine took care of that image, too, because in my visions, I was given an actual image of the church that I would be ordained in. And so then all I had to do was figure out who ordains in that church. (laughs) So then there was this worldwide search to figure out where this church was. It ended up being in New York City, and my parents uh, were married in a church that looked almost identical to the one that I was to be ordained in. That led me to which seminary I was to go to as well, and that I would be an interfaith minister. And so interfaith, for those that may not know, is that when I went through seminary, I studied a lot of the world's religions. So in addition to studying Christianity, I had to study Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Native American spirituality, Church of Scientology, all of these different faiths, um, Baha'i, before I could be ordained. And so that has led me to a lot of the work that I do. And when we talk about where I am today, um, I've been working for years now with people who come from diverse spiritual backgrounds, um, and I've been helping them along the path as far as being able to celebrate their love when they get married, not everyone is marrying someone in the same faith that they were raised in any longer. And so I can create ceremonies that bring their families together and everybody is happy and celebrating love rather than necessarily fighting because they have two very diametrically opposed faiths. Um, And in addition to all of this now, I realize that The conflict resolution skills, the being certified now in diversity, equity, and inclusion are very needed. This is that moment in time where all of this has come together and we have a need to be working in the workplace to help people feel included, to help them feel that they are accepted and engaged in what they're doing. And we can take away a lot of the negative feelings that people have about going to work. They can be excited about it again if we can just get along, right? Yes. And that's where my skills come to play now.
0: And right in the middle of 2020, yes. <laughs> where we really need to just get along, right? Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So I, you know, I'm going to ask you anyway,
1: so you can break it down. What makes you invincible? Well, I survived getting struck by lightning inside my house. Doesn't that count? (laughs) It does.
0: It does. It does.
1: Um, So I think that's part of it. But I think more than that is just, I had a friend years ago who said, you know, given your childhood, um, you should be married and divorced seven times with kids from all those dads, homeless or living in a trailer down by the river. Um, on drugs what the heck why not what's different about you and i thought long and hard about that for months and the answer that i came back with was i just don't look down you know as a single mom it's one of those things i didn't have family near me either my family had moved back to the east coast i was living in minnesota at the time and so i didn't have family around me I was alone. And so I couldn't get sick. I just, I couldn't have those bad days. I just felt like I was always walking a tight wire, but I never looked down and I just always kept my eyes looking up. You know, that's where the prize is. And you just got to do that sometimes.
0: I love it. That's amazing. That's great too. Great advice, right? Never look down. That's awesome. So tell us how I mean, this is like a superpower of yours, so this will be easy. But tell us, how do you bring um, spirit and love into everything that
1: you do? I think it starts with finding it within yourself. And my journey certainly was a long one to get to that place. And it was not one that I could ever have done alone. I was very blessed that at the right times, the right mentors walked into my life And there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, In fact, probably one of my most instrumental teachers I had seen in a dream again. So pay attention to those dreams. They really are important. Um, And I had seen her and she just said, you know, you're going to come to know me soon enough. And a week later, she showed up in my life. And because I had paid attention to that dream, I recognized her immediately. And there was just no way I was going to let her get away. (laughs) Um, And so I really think that, you know, doing that inward work, finding that self-love and then connecting with unconditional love, however one defines that, however one finds that. And there are so many places to find it. You know, I'm, I'm a huge animal lover, so for me, I have unconditional love with my dogs and they have taught me so much about how to love and be loved and forgive. I mean, if you accidentally fall over your dog, the first thing your dog does is come over and kiss you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Why can't can't we live that way? (laughs) You know, what do they know that we don't? (laughs) Um, And so I really did. I started to learn how to meditate. Um, did a lot of inward work and connected with the divine. And so for me, when I walk into different circles, that's the first thing I do is I look for the divine in everyone. And when I find the divine in that person in front of me, why wouldn't I radiate love, right? And that's what I try to bring into everything. And when I work with people, um, I hope that I can help them by holding up a mirror so that they can see where maybe the prism in their heart may have a part that maybe has been burnished a little bit or a corner that's been chipped and maybe we can polish that back up so that their prism can radiate in all the lights and all the colors and all the love that the divine gives us to radiate and so when they find that place it's easy to bring it into the workplace to bring it into their families even when they're creating a business plan. How do I love my employees? How do I love my customers? How do I bring that into the policies and practices that we are gonna put into place in the strategic business plan, in our marketing strategies? And so we really can carry that throughout everything. Am I really radiating that kind of love with what I'm doing now? That's amazing. So,
0: And I understand you are actually uh, coaching uh, and doing some, some new things around this. So tell us, what, what are you doing today? What is, what is your
1: next trick? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is that end game that I was given back in 1999. And for all of these years, I have not felt ready to step into this. I felt it was too big. I was scared. Why me? Um, all of that self-talk that all of us have, the doubts, uh, you know, we sometimes we refer to the the little devil on our shoulder that we've got to knock off, (laughs) listen to the angel on the other side. And for me, I just, I was not ready for this. And I believe in co-creation. And so the divine knew where he wanted me to be. I just wasn't ready to do my part. And over the course of time, I've seen that the skill set that I've been given, including working three years in employment law, has brought me to this place now where I understand better than most what those workforces look like, what those cultures are that are so, so toxic. Um, And as a mediator now, I'm in a position to be able to help both businesses and also the employees To stay out of courts, right? Um, Especially when we're looking at things like religious discrimination or diversity um, complaints, because those are federal cases. And so I can step in and I can help both sides to find a resolution that's going to work for all. And it makes it a much more loving situation. People can come back to work now feeling valued, feeling safe, and being able to come in and bring all of their authentic self and truly contribute in a positive way. And sometimes in these work environments, we do have somebody who uh, maybe has some leftover challenges that are getting in the way of them being able to fully embrace diversity, perhaps, um, or to be able to uplift and support diversity and so what i can do is work with them also from a coaching perspective and help them get to a place where they can see the benefit they can see how this is really a gift and then how to be able to encourage it and foster it in the workplace
0: that's amazing and what better time right than right now everyone's shifting and pivoting but i do believe that uh in 2021 people will return to the workplace you know in bigger numbers and things will get back to to that i believe so that'll be and but i i also believe that it's more difficult to uh keep that you know front and center when everyone's working virtually too you know and they're not all in the same place so is that something you're going to work with as
1: well yes right now we do have issues of engagement because we have people who do feel disconnected from their teams and so how can we still keep our teams healthy and happy engaged and doing things and from the perspective of management they're thinking in terms of now I have all these people who are not working in an office where I can visually see them. And so now how do I do things like evaluate performance? And so these are the kinds of strategic planning initiatives that we can talk about and that we can maybe institute some new ones now that will help not just today, but also provide us with a game plan for when we do bring everyone back or even the interim, as we begin to bring everyone back.
0: Yeah, so that's amazing work that you're doing, and I can't think of a better time of, you know, than right now to be doing that. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you.
1: Easiest place to find me is on my website, and the address is spiritatwork.us. Well, that sounds easy. And so just for the listeners too, we
0: will have all of the ways that you can find Reverend Ronnie in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, just click the show notes and everything will pop up and you'll have access to All the ways to find her and the resources that she offers. So, we always promise our listeners that we are going to highlight and spotlight fierce female entrepreneurs and have them share their expert zone of genius, which you have done today. And thank you so much for explaining all of this to us, um, and how it, how it works together in the workforce and how, how you're right. Like love, 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 right? We just need to get back to love. I think the Beatles had it right when they sang those, those songs, all you need is love. And I believe we need to get back to that too. Uh, but we also promise to let them in behind the scenes because when people look at you and all that you've done and all of your success, and accomplishments that you have had up until this point, they never see your journey. They just see this confident, beautiful, successful uh, woman full of love. And so we love to share with them because when they compare themselves to you, which they should not, but they do, right? Because women are always doing that. Uh, we We want them to see that you are real, that you did have a journey and that we need to respect the journey. And that you know every journey is filled with you know the good that we celebrate and the bad which is inconvenient and can slow us down and the ugly which could darn right stop us in our tracks, and I know that you've had that on your journey and yet here you are right killing it here you are still going still running for the mission for the dream, and I want to I want to spend a little bit of time there and share a little bit of those behind the scenes. Uh, on the journey to help these other women who are listening. So let's talk a little bit about the good, like some of the things that you celebrated that were amazing or something really good that's happened along the way.
1: One of my accomplishments that I'm very happy about is the fact that I have two sons. And when I was 19, I had cancer. I had uh, cervical cancer. And at that point the doctors told me I would never have children. And so to have my two sons is an amazing thing for me because I always wanted children. And it was something that was so important to me. Even as a teenager, I knew I wanted to be a mom. And so first and foremost, I will always say that my sons are my heart, my soul, and my everything. Um, And... (laughs) Along my path, I've also had the opportunity to do some really amazing things. Um, I did become a speaker, a sales trainer, and there was a time that I published a book and I was heard on 1,200 radio stations around the world talking about my sales techniques. I was known as the respect lady. And so I would come in and people, of course, would play Aretha Franklin singing (laughs) R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And it was exciting, it was a great head game. You know, you have 5,000 people in an audience. Um, It really kind of filled a person, uh, at least your ego. (laughs) Um, And then I met another mentor of mine, a gentleman who had been on the stage a lot longer than I had, whose successes had been amazing in 35 countries around the world. And he took me under his wing And I told him I had a dream to write a second book, and I did. I wrote that book in four days, 200 pages. And I gave it to him for him to write the forward. And he called me back, and he said, you're going to be getting a phone call. I said, really? Okay, from whom? He said, from the Pentagon. And I'm like, what? (laughs) He said, yes. I've told them about the chapter you wrote in your book that refers to the Pentagon, and they want you to come down and make a presentation. And so I indeed got that phone call from the Pentagon, put together a team, and went in to talk to the Pentagon about my concepts of what their future was going to look like in the next few years. I was talking to them about a lot of retention and recruitment kinds of initiatives that they were going to need, thinking in terms of they had a lot of their leadership getting ready to retire. Well, this was actually the year before 9-11 that I made my presentation. Can you imagine? It was so <laughs> timely for them. And I I believe that if we open ourselves up and we ask the universe to use us for the greater good, we do. We get used. And that I think was another one of those moments in my life.
0: That is amazing. Yes, that is so amazing. I can't imagine, you know, heading into the Pentagon for a day's work. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. And that's now amazing. I have that one that we're going to find out about this evening. And that is that nine weeks ago, I made a decision. I had decided that I was fully stepping into spirit at work, and this is something that's bigger than I can do myself. I was going to need some help and I was going to need a lot of heavy duty visibility for this. If it was going to get where it needs to go. And a friend of mine sent me a link to a movie and I watched this movie. It was called dreamer. And it was amazing. It talked about people who have dreams and about being able to take their dreams and really move forward with them. And at the end of this movie, it had a link to this place called the Archangel Academy. The minute that I heard the name, of course, I was hooked. Uh, But they are out of Ontario, Canada. And it is an organization of millionaires and billionaires who have decided that it isn't about having a million or a billion dollars. It's about touching a million or a billion lives and being able to make a difference in the world. And so that's what they're doing now is they have taken people who have these dreams, who have these visions, they're bringing them together, they're mentoring them, they're giving them an opportunity to work with not only creating business models and things like that, but also to do the inner work and to do this on the scale that they do it. And so we have a competition that's tied to all of this. And I submitted a video for this competition And tonight I find out whether or not I am one of the finalists. If I'm one of the 10 finalists, my video is going to be shown in front of thousands of people and they will then vote to decide whether or not my vision for Spirit at Work is going to be the ultimate winner. And so I'm very excited about what the future might hold. That
0: is amazing. Well, I'm feeling great about that. And I know you are too. Yes. You're trusting. Trust trust the journey, right? Respect the journey. Yes. What do they say? Uh, he didn't bring you this far to bring you this far, right? <laughs> to,
1: just to <I'll> leave you. <laughs> That's amazing. I believe I've already won because of all the work I've already done, the connections I've made. I recently had someone who saw the video on my personal Facebook page and contacted me. And they own a filmmaker version. They are a filmmaker. Who owns a business that has a very similar mission to what I do? It's called Peace Tree International. And so she wants to talk with me um, and get to know me better and maybe for the two of us to be able to do some things together. So I'm very excited. That's amazing.
0: I can't wait. I'll be my I'll be pinned to social media waiting to hear. <laughs> That's so great. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now we have to take a turn with all this greatness. We're going to take a turn and we're going to talk a little bit more about your journey, but now we're going to talk about some of the bad things. I mean, you have had so much to celebrate so far, right? And, uh, and if getting struck by lightning isn't bad enough, I, I do know that there are still many, many things. And so, um, would you like to share with us one of your bad stories, something you you were faced with that you had to overcome and maybe share with us how you did that.
1: Well, I think there's been a lot of bad in my life, um, but it's always set me up for something good later on. And so I remember that I had been in an abusive marriage. It was verbally and emotionally abusive. And one of the things that happened was when I finally realized that, What my ex-husband was saying couldn't be true about me. I couldn't be fat, ugly, unlovable. Um, All the things that he was saying, I got divorced after 12 and a half years. And one of the ugly and bad moments was that I stepped into a relationship that was even worse than what my marriage had been. And I was told things like, of whom much is given, much is expected. Okay. Um, He alienated me in that instead of my going to work and getting another job somewhere else, he convinced me to come to work for him. Well, what that really was, was a way for him to keep his thumb on me. And so he knew where I was, what I was up to. He could call me at work or he could call me at the house. He knew where I was. Um, And it became really another one of those defining moments for me. Because in that relationship, I realized how broken I'd gotten and that there was a need for me to do some work. And when I finally got the courage to break off that relationship, he wanted me to go to therapy with him because we were going to have to continue a business relationship, right? If I was going to continue to run his company for him. And so I agreed to it. But every time we would go, he had gotten to the therapist in advance and said, Fix our personal relationship and not work with the business side. So eventually I just said, No, this is not going to work. I've got to find an answer. And I came across a book that made a huge difference for me. And it was a book that was written by Susan Norwood called Women Who Love Too Much. And it's a wonderful book because. It taught me to love myself and gave me very measurable steps that I could do in my life to rebuild my self-esteem, to get me to a point where I didn't walk into a relationship because I wanted to be loved. I walked into a relationship because maybe it might be kind of fun. And I remember there was a time in one of those relationships where after three months, the gentleman came to me and he said, you know, I don't think this is going to work. And I said, oh, okay, why? He said, well, because I don't think I'm ready to get married and especially to take on the responsibility of children. And I remember laughing out loud because I was like, yes, this is absolutely perfect. I was not at that place after only three months, and I had finally gotten to a point where I could appreciate the journey of a relationship and sit back and not try to make somebody love me, right? And so I realized at that moment that I had pulled out of a lot of that ugly and some of that bad,
2: but as you know, there's always more. There's always more.
0: Yes. We are always challenged. I think like the bigger the mission, the bigger the challenge and obstacles that we are faced with in our life. I think that's just the way it works. So, and that's, that, that was a bad story, right? Like that is, and, and you know, what's unfortunate is that a lot of people are still stuck in that place where you were and that you were able to you know, find your way out. And I love that you shared that book and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well, that that book was really, uh, that helped you a lot in, uh, finding your way out and supporting you to this better relationship or, you know, better way. So yeah, we have to talk about ugly. Everybody has ugly. Uh, and you know, what I think is amazing is that you, you you know you made it when you're ready to talk about it like so many people try to hide that they try to hide their past because they're afraid that people will judge them and and some might um but you because you had already gone through so much bad and you've already overcome that you were in a place where now you can talk about ugly uh you're good uh but tell us a little bit about ugly
2: ugly is really ugly <laughs> Um and I love my family dearly. I always will and I have made peace with them. Um but I do need to start from the very beginning and that was one of those moments that should have been amazing in that I was the first girl born on my dad's side in 65 years. And so here comes this little girl who should have been just loved and adored and celebrated, right? Except that in my family It's all about the boys. And so the boys are the ones that are held up like Lion King. And it's the girls that are held down. And so in my life, the messages that I was receiving were that you're a girl. You're going to grow up. You're going to get married. And you're going to be a wife and a mother. And that's your life. So don't have dreams. Don't think about doing anything more than that, because it's not in the cards for you. And so there were decisions that were made on a regular basis um, that reflected that. Simple things like, okay, it's high school time, right? We all love to get our class ring. My parents wouldn't buy me a class ring because it was going to be replaced by a wedding band. And so I went out and bought my own class ring. I also was that child who was abused from multiple members of the family in different ways. And so I kind of say to people, if you can imagine it, it probably was happening to me. (laughs) Um, And so there was physical abuse and sexual abuse and emotional abuse and, and verbal abuse. It was just all happening in our house. My mother was a raging alcoholic. My father's way of dealing with all of it was to travel for a living. And get away from it so he didn't have to be there. And then on the weekends, after mom had disciplined us all week long, she would tell dad Friday night everything we had done bad and demand that he then punish us as well. So, I mean, we got double jeopardy in our house. <laughs> um, and so by the time that I was coming up and somebody said to you, okay, you know, you're a really great student, you're Very, very uh, accomplished in music. We want to give you uh, college scholarships. My parents were saying no to them because they would have put me a full ride scholarship to a college that celebrates music, but it would have been away from where they were. They couldn't have their thumb on me. So they made me turn it down. And so I found myself going to college and being there with my brother's thumb over the top of me, watching me while I'm there, coming home to them and them watching me when I'm home, still feeling all of that negativity around who I was to become and giving up my own dreams because the only thing I was in college for was my MRS degree, right? To find my husband and get married. It was a really sad time to be.
0: Yeah. And that's ugly because you were a child and you, you know, you were raised to believe that that was the way it should be. Although you knew inside, which is so, you know, I, it kind of gives me hope to know that like, if we trust our intuition, we have to know inside that there's something better or that this isn't right. And there is a better way, which would, you know, send us on that journey. But, um, all the way through college, that is crazy. Growing up that way to then having husbands that also had you under their thumb. And, you know, we're, we're using the same words here. And I can't help but think like that just set you up for more of the same until you finally were able to break free of that. So, what, how old were you, would you say, when you finally like you read the book, you started to like wake up to knowing like you gotta do something and like taking those steps? I know that there's people right now, there's women right now, especially with the pandemic that are uh, sitting where you were in the very same place. So what would you say, speak to those
2: women from where you were back then? I was in my late thirties when I finally came to that place where I said, I've got to fix me. I don't want these awful relationships any longer. I deserve better. My sons deserved better, right? I can remember coming in the door one time, and there were marks on my neck um, because my boyfriend had put his hands around my neck. And my older son saw those on my neck, and I went, no, never again. I don't want my kids to become this. And we know that's what happens, right? the abused ones often become the abusers. And I didn't want him seeing his mother this way. I didn't want him thinking that this was going to be the way he needed to treat a woman either. And so I needed to fix me. I needed to get me right, if not for me, for them, because I wanted them to have loving, caring marriages. I wanted them to have a better life than I had. And so I know that We often say that you have to do it for yourself, right? But sometimes children can be a bigger motivator because they are our heart and soul so much. And so for me, I think it was a hand-in-hand piece. I needed to do it for me because I knew that I was going to die. The next relationship would probably kill me. And so if I was going to have any chance, I needed to get help now. And whether that had happened in my 20s or my 30s, I don't look back, right? What matters is I got the help. And now I can dream. I can do the things that I want to do. I can get where I want to go. And here I am at the end of my 50s. And I'm taking on another great big dream and saying, here I come, world, right? Because it's not over until it's over, (laughs) <laughs> we always have time we can always reach out and do what's in our best interest and have a bigger and better life and i
0: love the transformation so as you tell the story and you talk about like growing up and and you know just wanting to be loved right so at home in your relationships and now here you are and you're at the other side and now you are teaching people about love, showing people how to love. I just feel like that is such a transformation and so ironic in such a way that the, the very thing that you were chasing is now the same thing that you are spreading amongst the world and amongst the people and amongst the businesses and the, the corporations and all all the relationships. And that to me is such a gift and such a transformation of how you took the bad and the ugly and you absolutely like, waved a magic wand that's what it seems like i know it wasn't that easy but boy when you think about it and you hear the story it almost sounds like and then she waved the magic wand and now she's giving love away and i just love that that is like the fairy tale and so in every fairy tale right they end and they live happily ever after so let's let's just wrap this up with your happily ever after because we know the story doesn't end there And you have figured it out. You have overcome all the things. And now you have an amazing relationship. So yeah, so share a little bit about whatever you want to share about that.
2: Well, it truly is Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey. And he teaches about that, that everyone who has um, an ultimate story usually does pass through a very similar kind of um, circle, if you will and comes back now being able to take those things that were the hard parts of their life and to use them as superpowers. And so that's what love has become is my superpower. Now because I know what it isn't, I also know what it is. And so now I can teach that to other people. I can show them what it looks like. Help them find it in their hearts. And so now where my happily ever after is is that I'm married to an earth angel. <laughs> I really am. My husband is patient and kind. Um, he is amazing. And we've been married just six and a half years. Um, but it's, we're still on our honeymoon phase. And I hope we never leave that. Um, we're currently now running a place where people can come. They can celebrate love in all of its forms and fashions. And so for us, it's now about us giving back. And, you know, you get to that point where that fills you more than anything else is being able to share love and give love and help people up and celebrate with them, right? Support and uplift. That's what it's all about.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for sharing your journey and letting us celebrate your great news and all of the things. We can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm just so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you're listening today, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it.